All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Woo! <laughs> Good to see you all. I hope you have been uh, enjoying our, uh, our summer listening about King David. As you can see, our puzzle piece is almost all done there. And uh, we have been looking at what it means to, to have a heart after God. You might also notice that we have two red foil balloons. Let's give it up for the balloons. Now, some of you might not know what that is, but we celebrate when people give their lives to Jesus. And uh, I know this summer I had an opportunity just over in those chairs over there to pray with a, a young adult who said, okay, I, I want this to be personal. Instead of just going to church, I actually want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. How do I do that? I had an opportunity to pray with her, and I know we had one of our kids at camp, and, you know, a lot of them wanted more of Jesus, but one was very serious to say, this is really what I want. So as we worship, just pay attention to those balloons and celebrate that. I, uh, I don't know why. I've been thinking a lot about heaven lately. And just, it is not going to be clouds and harps, okay? There's going to be football fields filled with angels singing with, with, with music that is going to just change our souls. There's going to be friends, a festival of friends. And there's going to be Jesus who we see face to face. And guess what? The only way to get there is by giving your life to Jesus. That's it. Jesus is the only way. And we want to see as many people as possible to do that. So... Let's get our hearts ready because we want to understand what a heart after God is. And so let's just take a moment. I just want you to, to sort of breathe in and just slow down because your mind is thinking about everything, right? It's just like, okay, that, 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 that. Okay, you know, why is, you know, Dave wearing that and all that stuff. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's breathe in. Just say, God, I need you. Just God, I need you. Breathe in again. Just say, God, I love you. Heavenly Father, help our souls to slow down. God, we want to put away all other things and focus on you. We want our hearts to be pursuing after you. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I think all of us need a real person that we can go and say, uh, yeah, Jesus was amazing, and he is and was, but the amazing thing is he, he, he's God. And so a lot of us think, okay, man, that, you know, he, he could do that because he's God. And a lot of us think, can, can there be a real person that we can actually try and, and emulate? Somebody that's messed up yet still made it. Well, David was certainly that person. He had an excellent musician, a great warrior, a wise politician. But I would not go to him to learn about how to tell the truth. He just is really bad at that, right? He's just like sort of manipulates situations. I would not really hold him up as a great example how to stay pure. Like, great, hey, you know, want to stay pure? Look at David's example. Maybe not. Uh, but when God saw him at the end of his life and generations afterwards, he just kept on saying, this is somebody that got the heart right. You go, well, God, what about all this other stuff, right? And he said, okay, okay. He got the heart right. His heart runs after me all the time. He continually asks me what he should do. He continually comes to me for comfort and strength. His heart was after me. His heart was after me. 
We may remember him for his biggest fault, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But God remembers him for his heart that pursued after him. And so what, what gives about this? God, are you fickle? Are, you, are, are, are we more concerned about getting things right than you? Maybe you're just like, oh, you know, I'm going to let everybody go. I'm just going to let people sort of get away with stuff. No. And we're going to find that out. We're going to find out actually the answer to that question by the end of this talk. How could God still commend him so highly when he messed up so badly? All right? So let's jump in. The, this, this story now uh, is uh, he's, David is king. He's king in, uh, in Jerusalem. And there he's got different warrior groups, sort of elite troops. You know, in the United States, they have the, the, you know, the, the Navy SEALs. They have the Green Beret. They have, you know, the, the Rangers. I tried to look up what Canada's, you know, uh, we're a task force. We've got to be cooler than that, Canada. I, you know, task force. It sounds like they're all sitting around decks. Anyway, good. Okay, good. So he's got these little things. And one of them is a group of 33 warriors. We're not sure about how cool these warriors are, but they're mentioned. And one of them is uh, in, one warrior in there is a man named Elam. 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 And Elam had a daughter named Bathsheba. Bathsheba was also married to a warrior wife of Uriah. And at the time, the Bible says, at the time when king should be going to war, you would find David is not going to war. His, his troops, he's delegated that all off. He's got nothing to do. He's wandering around on the top of his, his castle, his, his home, his palace, just sort of bored. Can I just let, let you know, boredom leads to more sin than I think pretty much anything else. So, so just keep busy, all right? Just keep busy. Get, oh, I'm so bored. Just let that be a little red flashing light that, okay, well, you should start doing something because boredom is not a good thing. In fact, in fact just there's, there's sort of in pastor world, there's sort of uh, something that, that's known. You know who complained the most in, in churches, church world? The people who are doing nothing. That's great. <laughs> because the people who are doing things, so, their part's falling apart. And they're just trying to make that thing work, right? That's all I'm concerned about. But if you're bored, you get, have this critical eye to anyone else. Okay, so he's bored. He sees her bathing on the roof, hot Middle Eastern weather. That makes sense. Only his roof, the king's roof, is higher than anyone else. And there is nothing good out of this story, just nothing good. This is just pure lust. This is pure lust. This is, well, you know, this wasn't working or, you know, he had an argument. No, this is just pure lust. And David's power as the king amplifies that. I think some people, uh, in th this world tells us people in power are evil, you know, uh, but, but that is not the case. If power makes one evil, then God should be the greatest evil because he has the most power. You know what? I I've heard Erwin McManus say this, power amplifies it amplifies. So if you are in a place of power and you can do good, it amplifies the good. If you are in a place of power and there's evil, it amplifies the evil. And so uh, many of you know the story. He abuses his power, has sex with another man's wife. She ends up pregnant. David goes to great lengths to cover this up. And it just highlights the goodness of Uriah, <laughs> the, the, the husband. And finally, he sends him off to be killed in battle. David marries Bathsheba. Perfect cover-up. No problem. We got through that one. Whew, right? <laughs> Except God sees. All right? Except 
God sees. This is not an easy message for a preacher to give. Like, like come and be, let's be happy, everyone. <laughs> but guess what? Except God sees. Except God sees. I saw a, a video of a little kid. It was like, 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 okay, close your eyes. Okay, closing the eyes, you know, the one eye is open, and in front of a plate of food. And they said, let's pray, you know, and uh, don't eat until, until you know, we pray. Okay, God is good. God is good. And, and the kid's looking around and grabbing food, handfuls of food, shoving it in his mouth. So God is good. God is great. <laughs> Just, anyway, he thinks no one else can see because everybody's got their eyes closed. But guess what? Except God sees. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. We want successful lives, right? So if you live a life of hidden sin, it's said, the Bible tells you, this is, this is not a way to succeed in life. But if you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. It's a matter of confessing, but not just confession, but actually turning away from them. You will receive mercy. So God told the, Nathan, uh, prophet, the prophet called Nathan. And Nathan, I, I always wonder, sometimes I think God gives us words. And then he allows us to package them in wise way. I think Nathan packaged this in such a wise way. Hey, David, I've got a problem to tell you. There's this man who was rich. He had everything. He had all these flocks and, you know, animals sort of uh, equaled money back then. And, and yet there was this one man, very poor. He only had one lamb. It wasn't even a sheep. It was a lamb. And he would go and, and, and carry the lamb and would, would treat it as, as a child. And, you know, what would happen, a traveler came. And, and, and the rich man had to provide lunch for him because that's Middle Eastern hospitality. You have to do this. And so guess what? He goes and steals the one lamb away from the poor man. And David gets up and says, no. You can almost hear him go, no, that is evil. Kill him. I wish they had cameras back then to see. Don't you? Don't you wish somebody was like filming this one, you know, putting up, uh, you know, on social media? Nathan looks, and, and, and he, I'm sure he didn't even say this in one phrase. He says, you are that man. Boom. <laughs> oh, that was gutsy, right? David had, you know, is he going to pick up a spear like Saul did? God then tells David, I gave you so much, and yet it wasn't enough. And then at the end of the reproof, this is where I'm going to jump into some scriptures, 2 Samuel 12, 9 to, 9 to 10. And this is Nathan talking to David. And I just want you to, what I want you to hear is God's heart in this. Because this is a little picture, a snapshot of God's heart. Why did you despise the word of the Lord? He's not even talking about the situation. God's not talking about the situation. He says, my word says this. But it, it wasn't even that, oh, you chose not to obey. You despised my word. I told you this is right and wrong, yet you despised. What a, what a powerful word. By doing what is evil, what is evil in his eyes. This is Nathan talking about God. This is something about him and God. You struck down the Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with a sword of the Amorites. Even though you didn't physically do it, you made it happen. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. There are consequences. 
And it says this. Because you, there's the word again. Because you despised me. It, it wasn't just about Uriah. It wasn't about Bathsheba. God felt hurt. God felt, you despised me? I thought we were close. I thought you came to me all the time. I thought you, you asked me, you, those songs you sang to me, and now you turn around and you despise me? Do you hear how personal that is? That God, the personal relationship, there's a chink in it. And you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. God is angry. God is hurt. God is angry. God is hurt by this. He's taken this personally. So, the question still stands. Why, why does God still hold him up as somebody that um, should be followed? Shouldn't we just cancel? David, shouldn't we just like rip that one out? Just say, put a big X by it. This is like an evil man and never, never we should follow him again. Is it just okay? Does, does time heal all wounds? Does God say, okay, it's taken enough time. I'm kind of okay with you. Of course not. God is not less holy than we are. In fact, many people have canceled David for this, his sin and can't look up to him. But before we remove David from our Bibles, this is what I want us all to do. I want us to remember how amazingly similar each one of us are. Say, hold, hold on, hold on, Dave. Hold on, Dave. I might have lied, okay? Got me on that one. <laughs> but I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anyone, right? Those are, those are big ones, right? There's big ones. <laughs> you don't have to know much of the Bible to know where I'm going with this, right? Jesus happened to talk about two things when he was trying to find how... how our inner world, our heart is. Do you remember he said, if you're angry at somebody, guess what you've committed? Murder. Thank you, James. Somebody. All right. If you are angry with somebody, how, what have you committed? Like, come on, I want to hear it. Come on, everybody, you've committed? It says, even if you call somebody fool, you are in danger of hellfire. This is not like a bad, this is Jesus. This is like kind, gentle Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 5, I'll read you the, the second half of it. My, Matthew 5, 27, you've heard the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in her heart. It's interesting that Jesus shows that we're all guilty with the two sins that David did. Isn't that wild? Isn't that a weird coincidence. I don't think so, because often we'll cancel somebody, and Jesus says, guess what? We're all in the same boat. Sin is not just a problem with the powerful. It's a problem with the every one of them. My sin brings me guilt. I feel guilty. I feel the weight of it, and it brings heartache to others, and it hurts the heart of God. Often we forget that part. We're told not to judge people. And I think in this culture, when we, when we hear Jesus say, do not judge for, or you'll be judged, you know what often this culture tells us how to do it? They, they say it's stuff like this. It's like, well, I'm not going to judge you. But the, 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 the reason why is because, well, I can't really say that you're wrong because that would make me, you know, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. We're all not wrong. I'm not going to judge, right? 
that is so not what the Bible means. One of the reasons why we're not supposed to judge is because we're not the judge. Guess what? Judging is good. Judging is right when the judge does it. And there is a judge, and he is a holy God. It's not that judging is bad, but we've got to let the judge do that one, not us. In fact, it says in Romans 2.1, this isn't on the screen, but if you're taking notes, Romans 2.1, it says this, you may, think you, can you may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do the very same thing. So the sin is really the problem in the world. Sin is really the problem in the world. And the, the world doesn't have a good concept of sin. They say all people are good. And they say, well, big corporations, they sin. I say it's the people within the corporations that sin. Nations are prejudiced because it's filled with individuals who make up prejudicial laws that, that are just present. Wars come from greed. Violence comes from hatred, anger, and retribution. Sexual sins come from lust. Prejudice comes from arrogance. It is all a problem of sin. This world has a problem of sin. Sin has several meanings, and the most basic is this. It misses the mark. It's as if there's this giant target, and God's perfection is the center of the bullseye, and if we miss the center of the bullseye, we miss the mark. And this extends farther than we can possibly realize. The Bible doesn't let us off on that. And even Jesus does not. Matthew 12, 36. He says, but I tell you, everyone who, have, who will have, have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. I'm thinking, how many empty words I've spoken? You know, I, me trying to be funny is not a good thing sometimes. <laughs> and I just look at dead faces. I go, oh, should not have said that one bad on me. And it shows a little picture of my heart. And I'm going, oh, dang, that too, right? Uh. And not only that, it's not just, it's just all the actions, it's the inaction. You know what I thought would be wild? Wouldn't this be wild? Could you imagine if we're all born with like a, a little, little readout about what our mind is thinking? Could you imagine? Hey, good to see you. I can't stand being with this person. <laughs> You're looking good. You really look horrible. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, man. It says uh, also in action, uh, James chapter 4, verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So can we just all admit what the Bible says? We're all, we're all in the same boat. We all stand guilty before God. We all hurt ourselves and others and the world for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is the problem in the world. We can't stop it with legislations. We can, legislations and laws make it more difficult to sin, but it's not going to take away the problem of the heart. Education, which is great. I have very high degrees in education. I love education, but that's not going to be the, pro, the fixer. You know why? Because there's things I know I shouldn't do. It's not a problem about me knowing it's a problem about me doing them anyway. It's like, oh, you should be educated about that. No, I know that was really stupid for me to say that. I just, I, yeah, I know that. There's a problem with the heart. So, what are we supposed to do then? Great, Dave, thank you. I feel encouraged. You can go home now. Amen. <laughs> but there's a solution. There is a solution. Thanks for saying amen. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that awesome? 
There's a solution for my sin. There's a solution for your sin. It can be taken away. God can give you strength from within to not repeat. And this is one of the beauties of knowing and walking with Jesus, my Savior. It is awesome. He, can, he, he brings up levels of sensitivity to sin now. So just before I say it, he goes, ah, <laughs> it's called the Holy Spirit's conviction. Isn't it great? Some people say, I love to become a Christian. And then they say, I've gone to this party. I feel guilty. Worse. <laughs> Welcome to the Christian life. <laughs> You know why? Because now you have the sensitivity in you to this. And God, God's going to change your perspective. And, oh, this person is bugging. Hold on. They are a child of the king. He changes our perspective, and then he gives us power to change. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6 to 17, it says this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that, I'm going to say it here, it's so good, sin might lose its power in our lives. We still mess up. We still make mistakes. Yes, we, we do this stuff, but guess what? The power of it isn't there anymore. We can say no because of the power of the Spirit of God in us. That sin might lose its power in our lives. we no longer slaves to sin. Isn't that a great song? Should have got John to sing that one today. Anyway, we... We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. It, it's almost like, I've showed this before, it's almost like a book, and the book of Jesus, and the piece of paper is in Jesus. We were in Jesus when he was crucified, so we're, we're dead to sin. We're going to be in Jesus when he rises again. So, in fact, we're in Jesus, and we're already seen in heaven. It's just because we're in Jesus, and, and he's beat sin, he beat death, and he's glorified in heaven. Guess what? We get to go, isn't that awesome? Who wouldn't want a gift like that? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Prayed. Even my non-Pentecostals cheered. I love it. Yeah, because it's awesome. It's awesome. So, so how can we get this gift of power over sin? <laughs> well, for some of you out there, you just need to become a child of God. You need to become a child of God, not to choose a religion. But guess what? You need to actually give your life to Jesus, make it personal. And when you make it personal, he gives you back his Holy Spirit, who will change you from the inside out. All your sins will be removed. The records are cleared. The pages are deleted. 1 John 1, 8 uh, uh, and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful, means he does it all the time. He is just. He has paid for it and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In this on, on our ongoing relationship with Jesus, we continue to confess, ask forgiveness, and ask for power over sin. So what does that actually look like, Dave? What does that look like? Now I'm going to read some scripture that David wrote. This is what it looks like. He wrote a song about this one. Could you imagine that? Hey, we're going to sing Psalm 51 again. David, oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to sing that one again? Yeah, it's a popular one, Dave. <laughs> we're going to sing it again. Here it goes. Psalm 51, verse 1 to 4. This is what confession looks like. Have mercy on me. Mercy is, is given to people that don't deserve anything. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. That's the, the Hebrew word is chasad, which is, which is a, a faithfulness. You have been faithful to your nation. You have been faithful to me. O God, have mercy and just show your faithfulness to me. 
According to your great compassions, blot out my transgressions. Wash all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. In other words, God, in the end of it all, I did despise you. I despised your word. I despised you. Oh, God, forgive me because I hurt you. So you're right in your verdict and justified as judge. His, a confession actually means to agree with God. I'm agreeing with you, God. <laughs> uh, it's not like, okay, well, I did that, but <laughs> you know what? These people sort of pushed me that way. <laughs> did you hear that? Not a bit. You let all excuses go. No excuses. And then the, 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 near, near the end of the psalm, David is not just concerned about giving forgiveness. He wants his relationship restored with God. So Psalm 51 verse 8, he says, let, let me hear joy and gladness. The bones you have crushed rejoice. Oh God, I, I want us to be okay, so hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, oh God. That's like a recreation prayer. And renew a steadfast spirit in me. Give me strength not to fall again. Do not cast me away from your presence because I love you. I need us. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Give me power within to say no. And so at that moment, guess what? God says you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You know what they said? The scripture is filled with this. I, I don't have enough time to tell you all the scriptures. Hebrews 8.12 says this. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. It's gone. I'm not even going to remember it anymore. It's gone. It's, he says it's thrown as far as the east is from the west. I'm glad he didn't say north and south because they kind of mean. But east and west, they kind, they, they're just gone, right? They're just gone. They are out of here. I'm not even going to remember that anymore. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ I am in Christ. I gave my, my life to Jesus, so I'm in the Jesus book. And I'm not condemned. Oh, God, doesn't that lead you to worship? I hope there is some worship tears out here today when the band comes up. Because I'm forgiven, and you are, and it's a good thing. No, you are not condemned, people. The condemned, I mean, thoughts that you think, that's from the evil one. If you've confessed... God has removed that. The sentence is over. We are connected to Jesus. So when he was killed for our sins, we're linked to that. And they're gone. So the question is, so, so why could God still call David a man after his heart? Because he really messed up. Big. He did. God's forgiveness is so overwhelming and so powerful that that is even gone. Remembered no more. So when God talks about David, guess what he remembers? I remember your heart. W would you like that for your life? <laughs> Wait. Wouldn't you love that when you come before God? It's like, okay, here he comes again. <laughs> Instead of, the, no, 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 that's gone, that's gone. I remember your heart for me. I remember your heart for me. 
It's beautiful. I was utterly removed, gone, deleted, ripped out. I, I was trying to figure a, a, good, a good illustration. I, I can't. I can't. I, I, I'm trying to, trying to think of like some, let's say you had 10 speeding tickets. This is not a reality in my life, okay? Just putting that out there. This is not a personal one, all right? 10 unpaid speeding tickets. Unpaid speeding tickets, all right? And so you're there, and you're at a stoplight, and, a, and, and a, our, our beautiful police officer comes out and gets out of the car, and they're coming up, and you're going, oh, no. They've got the little computer thing. They can see all my records. And, and he, you know, knocks on the window. The window comes down. And he said, okay, I know, I know. I, oh, I know I'm in trouble. He said, no, I just want to say, I really like your car. In your records, oh yeah, I looked up your records. There's nothing there. Somebody must have paid for them. That's my Jesus. He paid for them. Some people wonder why about Saul. This is a question I get when I when I talk about this one because Saul kind of confessed too his sin. Why why didn't? God sort of honor his confession. Uh, and, and I'm going to sort of block that question before it, it goes to the afterwards. <laughs> when, when, when Samuel convent, confronts Saul, he said, you didn't do what God told you to do. And you know what Saul's first words were? No, I did. I did. I did do it all. It wasn't, I was wrong. Hmm. And then when he confronted him more, then he said, okay, okay, I was wrong. I was saying, but guess who pressured me? Guess who pressured me? God's just not quite as impressed with that one. I don't know why. <laughs> just putting that out there. I think David put it this way best. At the end of the psalm, he says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart. God, you will not despise and this is why we take communion every week, by the way. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. This is why we take communion every week. There's communion stations here. It is one to stop and remember what Jesus has done for us. It is. But it is also a time to pause and say, God, is there anything I need to confess to you? I need to get this straight because I want to have a soft heart with you. This is why we have a workshop called Set Free because we want to teach you the, the freedom of confession, all the guilt is gone, never to be mentioned again, uh, and the power to say no next time. So we're going to take some time to listen here right now because I want you to know that God's forgiveness brings freedom. God's forgiveness brings freedom. And to those who are online or anyone here who have never made your faith personal, I mean you've gone to church lots. That's great. That's awesome. It's a good thing to do. But if you've never made your faith personal, it's actually a step of faith. It's not what you do. It is a request. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. In fact, if you're at home, can we all, like, pray this prayer together? Just to make it easier for other people to hear the, the, the words being said, all right? Here we go. We're, we're going to pray this prayer that, that if it comes from your heart, God will listen to it and make your faith personal. Let's, let's, let's pray with me. Heavenly Father. Uh, you're allowed to pray out loud here, by the way. I know the masks mumble. Okay, let's try this again, okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died and rose again. 
to remove all my sin. I commit my life to you. Thank you for making me your child. Amen. Amen. God's forgiveness brings freedom. As we worship, listen to him and say, God, is there anything that you want me to confess? And be ready to be clean and to be free. God, we love you. During this worship time, come and speak to us. Come and show us if there's anything between us because we want our relationship with you clean. In Jesus' name, amen.